Welcome to the Story Engine. I'm Tristan Verboven. Before we begin, I would like to recommend a fantastic podcast that I've come across that's been a great inspiration for this week's episode. The Fall of Rome podcast by Patrick Wyman. It's available on iTunes or wherever you have the internet. This is part five of the Big Water Trilogy. Trilogy, you say? Yes, well, it looks like Cartha has a little life left in it. But not for long. This time, they're really going down. And because it took so long, it's really going down big time. I present to you the final chapter, Hannibal and the Fight for Big Water, Part 5, Supernova. Skippy the African Junior is flying far above the earth. Sprawled out below, he can see the great city of Seven Hills. He can see the network of streets and alleys connecting the temples. He can see people busily bustling in the squares. He can hear the noises bouncing through the grid of squares and triangles the markets and tenements. But there's something peculiar about the city he knows so well. It is seven hills, but different. The city is surrounded by a mighty defensive wall, and that one is surrounded by another. And it is not nestled among the seven hills, but rather it sits upon a single rocky cliff overlooking a busy harbor. The temples, too, are not like anything he's ever seen. There's no sign of the familiar solid lines and columns. He sees instead a single glorious mound of domes, of rich color and opulence at the center of the mount, an eastern style. It's all very strange, dear listener. Skippy inspects the impressive fortifications from above. It is then that he notices the great city is under siege. Every mile of wall is surrounded by ranks of soldiers and the harbor is full of warships. The ships are sleek and sturdy. They too are unlike anything Skippy has ever seen, like some kind of ships of the future. Yes, in all of this, the city stands defiant, though terribly outnumbered. Outside of the walls is the sound of war. Within the walls is an eerie quiet, almost like a ghost town being defended by a handful of loyal guards. The attacking army is strangely dressed. Their dark skin is draped in flowing cloaks, like the Kartha. They wear cloth turbans upon their heads. Unable to scale the defenses, the attacking army has placed strange metal columns on their sides. They shoot a blast of fire towards the mighty walls like magic cauldrons. Skippy watches in horror 
as a volley of these blasts levels such a violent sound upon the city walls crumble to sand. The blasts hammer away at the heavy walls until there's a hole wide enough to breach. We have arrived! shout the soldiers as they charge forth to swarm the gap. Master Skippy, awake! We have arrived! He is startled by the sight of his servant's face stirring him from his sleep, and suddenly finds himself in the hull of a ship that has been his home for many days. He sits up to gain his composure. We can see the city of Carthur in its harbor, Master Skippy. Carving the sleep from his eyes, Skippy climbs to the deck to see the great city for himself. He carefully observes the harbor's notoriously elaborate defenses. Ships enter a narrow passage flanked by fortifications to the merchant docks. Another fortified passage leads to the warship harbor. The city walls are formidable. Miles of towering stone structures, one larger than the other, surrounded by a palisade, heavier than any walls he has seen in España. Turn the fleet north to Utica, he calls out. I should like to speak to Marshal Manley and find out why Cartha sits so undisturbed after two years of siege. The ships anchor at nearby Utica, where Skippy is met by Marshal Manley, who gives him a cold and humorless reception. I see that you have brought some reinforcements from the front in Hispania, just in time for my next assault on the Cartha. Skippy puts him in his place. I remind you, Marshal Manley, that you are now speaking to the new consul, not one of your junior officers. Consul Skippy, of course. Forgive me, for I have never met a consul as young as you. The Skippy name goes a long way in the Senate. It helps to know people, I guess. It is a rare honor at my age, I confess. Not that I know anyone in Seven Hills or the Senate. But since my campaign has been going so well in Hispania, they certainly know of me. I was hoping to see similar progress here in Cartha. We have had numerous successes pillaging the surrounding towns, but have been bogged down by Cartha rebels who raid our scouting parties. But with your men, we can now attempt another frontal assault on the walls. Skippy strikes back. You are no longer in charge of this campaign, Marshal. Cartha remains in peace with trading ships in its harbor, despite your blockade. After two years of siege, you are unable to destroy an unarmed city. But they are not unarmed, Consul Skippy. They have found new strength. The army you disbanded upon your last visit has reunited once again under the leadership of a General Hasdrubal. I believe it is the same Hasdrubal you once showed mercy to and banished. Skippy pauses at the sound of this name. Manly continues. With Hasdrubal as their defender, it has become very difficult to take the city. 
Skippy turns his head suddenly and glares at Manly intensely. Take the city! He snarls. Take the city! I have... I have no desire to take the city! Cartha must be burned to the ground with everything in it. We shall burn its treasures if we must. And every woman, child, and beast in it. Till this great city and temples are no more. Till nothing is known of these people. We shall burn Karth until there's nothing left. Nothing! Skippy walks past Manly towards the camp. Organize your men, Marshal Manly. We have work to do. They do indeed, dear listener, for they are about to take on an enterprise that will complete a great period in history. A proud and worthy rival, with a legacy so old that it is not even fully known. It has raised a magnificent city on big water, and now it must die. But plenty will happen before it does. And those are the exact thoughts of Hasdrubal as he stands at the altar of the Karthas' great temple. His family is with him, and his wife watches in despair as a large crowd of citizens amasses outside on the main square. The army of Seven Hills has taken position around the city walls, and chaos has broken out in the streets. There is no more hope for us, his wife speaks to him in a low voice, not to alarm their boys. The city is surrounded. The harbor's blockaded. There is no more escape. They cannot be stopped any longer. They have Skippy the African as their commander. I have told this young Skippy myself that I shall never kneel to him, nor any man as long as I have an army. It is a promise I intend to keep. Even with our walls, your army cannot hold such a force. She pulls her two sons towards her. Because of our exile from Cartha, our sons were spared the fate of Cartha's children. They are the only future for our people. But there's no more future. Don't you see that we're doomed? That Cartha's doomed? We are doomed indeed. Even our gods have abandoned us, replies Hesdrubal calmly. And so there's nothing left to do but fight and die. He steps out to the balcony and calls out to the restless crowd below. Do not take refuge in this temple, people of Cartha. Our gods are dead. A generation removed from our beloved seas. We have learned to live and fight on the land. And now they rob our lands, too! There's nothing left but our great city. And when it is taken from us, we have nothing left but our lives. Every moment we have is all that we have left. We've chosen war, people of Cartha. War! It's the only true freedom! The crowd falls silent. And so... We prepare for battle. They've come for our ships. Then we shall take the ropes and timbers from our ships and make machines of war. 
they've come for our wealth, that we shall turn the gold and silver from our temples into spearheads and plunge it into their bellies. Every strand of hair on our heads, we shall fashion it into bows. Every stick shall be an arrow. Every stone shall be a weapon. Every finger on our hands a claw. Every home a fortress. We shall all fight until we are all dead. Only then will Carthur be free. To the death! To the death! And so the people of Carthur enter into a death pact, dear listener. True to their seafaring ways, they will all go down with the ship. Skippy and his army attack the harbor wall. Cartha men and women work to the relentless pounding of a battering ram to carve a last stand from the remains of their lives. They drape their red tattooed skin in makeshift armor and crude weapons and barricade their doors, awaiting their fate, hoping to take as many of their enemy as they can with them. From the towers and walls, they hurl bricks and from the very homes, down upon the invaders, and in turn the soldiers of Seven Hills strike the wall harder than ever. Put your backs into it, roars Skippy. No city wall can stand forever. The assault continues for days. The soldiers of Seven Hills work in shifts so that pounding haunts the citizens of Carthage through the night in their sleep. At first, the Cartha busy themselves with the task of reducing the bricks of their homes to projectiles and crafting the precious objects from their livelihood into weapons. But as days turn into weeks, they slowly succumb to the madness as the incessant hammering grows closer, reminding them at every instant that their own terrible death is knocking. Then the hunger sets in. In despair, the Cartha can all but watch as their mighty defenses start to show signs of breach. Despair turns to horror as bits of mortar begin to trickle down the inside of the wall. There are some among them, though they keep it to themselves, who wish that the wall would crumble faster. And then, in an instant, the macabre head of the battering ram plunges through the headstones. It pauses there for a moment, long enough for the Cartha to see the mangled nub that has pounded their wall for all these days. And then, as it retreats, so too crumbles the entire edifice upon it. There is only a moment of chilling silence before the screaming roar of a thousand soldiers comes pouring over the rubble into the city. The labyrinth of narrow streets quickly disintegrates into a gridlock of destruction. The soldiers, trained to engage their enemy in tight formation on an open pitch, now succumb to the forces of chaos. They raid each house in a murderous rampage, 
plowing through anything that moves. As their wrath of demolition sprawls through the city, they take to setting fire to the houses, pulling flaming timbers down upon its occupants. The Cartha now have nowhere to flee, so they throw themselves into the invaders, their bodies aflame, plunging gold and silver tipped spears into the horde. The entire city is engulfed in fire, gradually closing its grip around the Grand Temple. As the army of Seven Hills creeps its gruesome advance, Skippy the African Junior follows in its wake. Navigating a maze of flaming buildings, trekking over mounds of mangled bodies, making his way to the main square. As Drubal's wife and the last two children of Kartha blood watch from the balcony of the Grand Temple as the city stands firm to an oath of death in battle, she too firmly holds her weapon in hand knowing that her husband is below in the raging turmoil, leading their people in their suicide pact. Suddenly, the door bursts open, and soldiers of Seven Hills clamor into the hall. She brandishes the blade at them defiantly. One of the soldiers comes towards her to finish her off, but as he steps out onto the balcony, he sees the terrible destruction below, and for a moment, lowers his weapon. From this vantage point, he sees the entire city of Kartha, and for a moment becomes lost in the forking flames, and the overwhelming stench of burning flesh. Mesmerizing fire and death as far as the eye can see. The other soldiers, too, lower their weapons at the sight. What sort of war is this? He cries out into the spectacle. We are not fighting an army. There is no plunder here to be had. We are nothing but murderers. Consul Skippy in the square below looks up and shouts to his men. Carry on your duty, soldier! Or you too shall join them in their fate! Finish us off then, you butchers! Shouts as Drubal's wife to her assassins. We are all ready to die! Skippy orders the gates of the temple closed, and then orders the building to be set on fire. I have someone here who would like to watch! Calls out Skippy, and from behind him he pulls forth Hasdrubal. Captured in the heat of battle, bloody and beaten, in chains. Since you have no more army with you, Hasdrubal, you may now kneel for me. He thrusts him down to the ground, and holding his head up to see the burning temple. Watch as we finish our work today! as Drubal locks his gaze with his wife and children. She glares back at him in disgust, screaming in a rage. How can you betray your people and your family like this? What of your vow to fight to the death? What of your vow to die with your city? 
You are a coward, Isdrubal. A coward, and may you die a slave. At these words, dear listener, she clutches her son's heads by their hair, and with a single swipe of her blade, she slashes the poor boy's throats. They collapse without a whimper, and then, throwing herself upon her weapon, she plunges her body into the fire below. smoke can be seen rising into the heavens for most of their journey back to Seven Hills. In the day, it resembles the column of a volcano filling the sky with blackness. By night, it is no more than a distant glowing ember. Skippy watches it slowly receding into the horizon from the stern of his warship. Hasdrubal is by his side watching as the coastline slips away. He wonders what fate Skippy has for him now. For since leaving Carthen, neither of them has spoken a word. But Hasdrubal's humiliation is not complete. Upon arrival in Seven Hills, he's chained to a carriage and paraded through the town for all to see. Skippy stands in front of him, his back carelessly turned to his prize, proudly lavishing in the adoration of his people. Once the unseemly ritual is over, and the crowds have all gone home, Skippy turns to Hasdrubal and embraces him warmly. I must thank you, my old friend. You have given me more than you could possibly imagine. He takes Hasdrubal's hand and pulls a ring from his pocket and gently slides it onto his finger. This ring was given to me by my father, says Skippy. It once belonged to the great General Hannibal and to his father Hamilcar before him. It has held the Barca legacy, the honor of Cartha, and even the very poison that killed him. When it came to me, it still sat upon Hannibal's own wretched severed finger. Skippy unlocks Hasdrubal's grotesque manacles with a large key and lets them fall to the ground so he could have a closer look at the ring and its ornate ships and sea creatures. Are you not afraid I might run? Asks Hasdrubal. Skippy laughs. laughs. Ha ha! Ha! Run! Yes! Run indeed! Go and run! Skippy raises his hand in the air and motions to the great city of Seven Hills all around him. Run then, Hasdrubal! And where will you go? Where will you run? You are home, my dear friend. You are home at last.
And so, dear listener, this ends the story of Cartha, the great city on big water. Hasdrubal does indeed live out the rest of his life in Seven Hills as a free man. And with him dies the Cartha people, who are already long dead. And Skippy, the African junior, he lives out the rest of his life as a public servant in loyal service of Seven Hills. And with him, too, dies his dark and terrible legacy. He will not live long enough to see the seeds grow from the ashes of Cartha, but we will, for no victory is complete, and nothing can be completely destroyed, nor live forever. But Seven Hills, dear listener, Seven Hills lives on still today. When will we learn that in victory or defeat, we all become Seven Hills? And if we do not, then we too, by hammer and blade, shall join their peace or die. mighty hard road that my poor hand is holding. My poor feet has traveled a hot, dusty road. Out of your dust bowl and westward we rolled, and your desert was hot and your mountains was cold. Peaches and prunes Slept on the ground In the light of your moon On the edge of your city You'll see us and then We come with the dust And we go with the wind California and Arizona I make all your crops And it's north up to Oregon Together your hops Dig the beets from your ground, cut the grapes from your vine To set on your table your light sparkling wine Green pastures of plenty from dry desert ground From that grand coulee dam where the water runs down Ever stayed in this union, us migrants have been We'll work in this fight and we'll fight till we win well, it's always we ramble that river and I All along your green valley I'll work till I die My land I'll defend with my life if it be Cause my pastures of plenty must always be